0: Hey everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Magazine. Now, you would think that anyone going to the lengths to not just own a gun, but to also become licensed to carry that gun concealed on a daily basis, would be someone who is better prepared to defend themselves in a violent attack, right? Well, unfortunately, not only is that not the case, but along with your intent to carry concealed, comes even more misinformation that could actually get you killed in a real attack, unless you know the cold, hard truth about what it takes to put your weapon into action in a real gunfight. Now, my friend EJ is one of those guys who's actually used his concealed handgun in a real attack and, in addition to his work in military hot zones, was someone I just had to get on our broadcast to share his best tips. Now, this is definitely one of our most information-packed segments, so get ready to take a lot of notes. Go ahead and check this out now.
1: firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival.
0: It's a sad fact that most people who acquire a concealed carry weapons permit don't usually acquire the knowledge and skills needed to use that firearm short of the required classroom instruction and maybe a couple of visits down to the gun range to punch a few holes in a paper target. But perhaps even sadder is the snake pit of concealed carry myths, mistakes, and misinformation that many concealed handgun carriers fall prey to even when they are training and preparing to protect themselves. Now, we all know that carrying a concealed weapon is a big responsibility. But with that responsibility should come your self-sworn commitment to master your mind, your weapon, and the skills needed to respond with split-second reflexes to stop an attacker that's threatening you and your family. Skills that you're about to discover right now as we explore the little-known secrets to carrying and using a concealed firearm to protect yourself and those you love. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine, with another survival podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and patriot. And today we're joined by a man who has made it his personal mission to expose the truth about what it really takes to defend yourself with your legally concealed firearm. That man is E.J. Owens. E.J., welcome to the program, man.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time and getting you, getting you on our show, so I'm really looking forward to it. And look, everybody, E.J. is a professional firearms trainer, author, and consultant whose company, Legally Concealed, trains responsibly armed citizens In advanced firearm tactics for personal protection. Now, having received multiple firearm instructor certifications from the NRA and from legendary expert John Farnham, EJ's training isn't just based on theory. He's a former military officer and contractor who knows what it's like to carry every day a weapon for personal protection and how to use it in your own defense. In fact, EJ's training was put to the test even outside of the war zone when he was shopping at a local store and was able to successfully thwart an armed robbery with his Glock. Now, that incident, as well as all of his specialized training and combat experience, let him develop one of the most advanced concealed carry video courses available anywhere, and you can learn more about this training at EJ's website at www.concealedcarryweapontactics.com. Now, EJ, you hear a lot of talk about conditions when carrying a concealed firearm and the best way to always be at the ready. What mistakes do you find that most people make with how they prepare themselves for carrying a concealed handgun?
2: Well, I'll tell you, um, carrying a gun is is a responsibility and also carries some, some moral and ethical uh, responsibilities as well. But I find that most people tend to take pride in the box that the gun came in and use it as a magical talisman to ward off evil spirits. And that's simply not the case. In order for you to, to defend yourself with a concealed carry firearm, that thing needs to be on your body. Not in your car, not tucked away somewhere in a safe, not hidden behind a book in your living room. It needs to be on your body. You are Will respond to the threat. You may not, and in most cases will not, have time to take a tactical pause and go get the gun and come back and and get into the fight. So we look at concealed carry from a lifestyle standpoint, not a task. It's not just something I do. It's a part of who I am. So you need to have that gun on you. You need to find a comfortable holster, that you can can tolerate and keep the gun on you. It does you no good somewhere else apart from your body. And women in particular who like to carry guns in your purse, you have a difficult time in retrieving that pistol, that gun, in a dynamic situation. We've proven in our courses time and time again. So it becomes a false sense of security. And I understand that in women's clothing today, they like to wear tight stuff. I like for you to wear tight stuff, women. But you need to have that gun available. You need to be able to put your hand on it in a moment's notice. Now, the second is, you need to have a round in the chamber. Now, <laughs> I that's have a big one. Yeah, that's, it, a, that's a big because, question people have, yeah. Because here's the thing. It is not carrying a round in the chamber is nothing more then a clear lack in self-confidence. So, and I don't mean to sound arrogant when I do that, but I've no, seen no. it time and time again. So I had this emergency room doctor who came to one of my classes, and he, had a, you know, he didn't want to carry a gun on his head, much less carry a, uh, around in the holster. And he said, so EJ, how do I get over this? I said, hey, brother, you just do it. Get up here, put the gun on, and let's go train. So by lunch he's walking around and doesn't even realize, you know, that he's been carrying a, a gun on his hip and around in the chamber the whole time. I said, "Hey, doc, you realize you had a round in the chamber the whole time?" He's like, "Yeah. Oh, I did, didn't I?" I said, "Did anything crazy happen with it?" No. But it didn't alleviate the stress that he had, the back sweat that came from from carrying this, you know, this, you know, lethal killing device, you know, but the the answer to the question is You just need to do it. And and unfortunately, we live in a society that says, you know, don't hit back. You know, don't fight with others. Walk away. Tell somebody this. And we don't teach people to stand up for ourselves. So we lack a sense of confidence in carrying a device that could actually end someone's life. And that makes us nervous. And we don't want to shoot ourselves or we don't want to, you know, accidentally do something. I'll tell you right now, as long as your finger or your clothing doesn't pull the trigger nothing bad will happen. Like in the holster especially, yeah. So yeah. put the gun in the holster and leave it there. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, most people, they're, they're so nervous, they, they, they really won't even try it. And and I can understand you just need somebody who you respect to help you, who carries every day, to help you say, you know, hey, brother, I've been there. Hey, I was there too. I understand that feeling. I do. Uh, so I'm. I, I empathize. With some of my students that have come through, but I tell you, hey, you just got to do it, man. Yeah. You just, just got to do it. And then carry an extra mag. All right? Most times, and I say most because you know, statistics mean a bunch of things to other people, and I don't need to get lulled into the, um, the statistical black hole, but the majority of times that a weapon fails to fire, it's because of a faulty magazine. So some people will say oh, I've got 10 rounds I don't need any more ammunition. Well, I would disagree with you, but let me talk to you about your weapon malfunctioning. Should it fail to cycle the next round, the majority of the times it's because of a bad magazine. They go bad. That's why they're only, you know, 20 bucks, 30 bucks. When it goes bad, take a hammer to it so no one will ever use it, including yourself, and get another one. And then I carry an extra mag with me, not only to have extra bullets, but should something go down with the gun, I have a higher probability of getting the gun back into the fight by changing the magazine. Yeah, great point.
0: You know, e j most, most people that you see training at the range typically set themselves like into an isosceles or weaver stance, and they steady their firearm with both hands in order to you know really get that tight shot group going. But you say that this isn't the way that real gunfights happen, that this type of training can actually instill bad habits. Why is that, and what's maybe a more realistic way to prepare yourself for a real attack?
2: Okay, so we have two different types of training. We have training to learn the basics of how to operate a gun, how to look down the sights, how to understand—you know—I mean, how to uh, pull the trigger, understand reset, recoil. Okay, all the ergonomics that go with the gun. Um, we do that on a static range, and we try to. When we kind of master that, we kind of just uh, like to show our friends how small of these little holes we can punch in these paper targets. That is learning the basics. That is not gunfighting. So understand that when you are using two hands in a gunfight, that is actually a great thing for you. You had enough time to get both hands on the gun and press out, Look down, find the front sight, all that other good stuff that you, know, you should be doing on a standard, uh, standard static range. But that's not really the way it works. Most gunfights catch you by surprise. Why? Because these guys are predators. And they are looking to attack you at your greatest moment of weakness. When you are not paying attention. When you are lulled by what you're watching or what's going on. Okay? When when you're at a disadvantage, like you've got small children with you, you're carrying bags of groceries in your hands, okay? you're occupied by some other thing that keeps you from paying attention and seeing the threat before it gets into that quote-unquote danger zone that you must react. So in the surprise of the attack, the one hand's going to go down to the gun, draw it out, and you're hopefully going to be able to get the gun up on that target and shoot. I can't tell you what position your feet are gonna be in. You may be turning, uh, turning around from the rear. You may be running to the side. You may be trying to run behind cover while you've got that gun pointed at him. So you need to be put into a, a bunch of uh, realistic scenarios that demonstrate for you the need to learn how to shoot from one-handed position, shooting with both, uh, both eyes open. Now, here's the thing. I, I, you know, I, I talk about shooting with both, both eyes open, and uh, a lot of people say, well, I can't do that on the range. I really can't find the front, tar- front sight, or uh, the, the target's blurry and the front, front sight's clear, or vice versa. I said, hey, look here, man. Uh, when it comes time for you to skin that smoke wagon out, you're not going to be pulling a Jack Sparrow, closing one eye and looking down the front sight. It's a panic mode. You're going to press out with one hand. Hopefully, it will be the slide will be in line with your nose so that the shot goes in the general direction that your eyes are looking at. And I have proven it time and time again on the range that within you know, 10 feet, you're going to hit that target with both eyes wide open. And the last thing is you need to move. Nobody stands still in a gunfight. You're going to move. Now, you're going to move with clear direction, or you're going to move out of panic. Hmm. But nonetheless, you're going to be moving. So we need to integrate that in our training, too. So when I talk about static range, where you're standing still, and I'm telling you, nobody stands still in a gunfight, brother. They're moving. And people are moving around you as well. So you need to take those into consideration and find somebody who's going to train you in how to react like that, because that's reality. Static range helps you build skills.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a really good point, really good points. You know, EJ, unless, unless someone has ever actually been in a life-or-death gunfight or in combat in the military, chances are that they're not prepared for that adrenaline dump that they'll experience in a real attack. I mean, it's different. It's a little different than, like, getting up and public speaking, even, like, things like that, that, that are – that, you know, give people that adrenaline rush – but when you feel a bullet zing by your head or you've got somebody right up in your face and you, and you truly feel threatened, it's a whole other world. So how does this affect your ability to defend yourself with a firearm? And what are your most critical strategies that someone should know about using their weapon in self-defense under stress?
2: All right, well, first of all, you hit on a real good point, and that is life or death. And most people have not felt that impending doom of if I don't do something I might die and that causes both a, a chemical and a physiological reaction to go through the body and what ends up happening is uh, the blood diverts to your most vital organs so we lose what's called fine motory skills you won't be able to touch each little finger to your thumb your hands are going to turn to flippers so when you're out training and, and you see um, guys, they, they, they wrap their little fingers around the slide and they, and they try to pull it with their thumb and their forefinger, pull the slide back to chamber another round, you won't be able to do that, man. You need to get your full hand over the slide and rack it by hitting your, your hand to your chest. So, you know, understand that you're going to lose fine motor skills, fine motor sensory function skills. You're, you're not going to be able to... Um, find little buttons and gadgets on your gun. This is why I'm against external safeties. Okay? I'm not talking about the big ones that are like uh, you know, on a 1911, but these little ones that are on like cars and, and your your shields and, and some of these other guns, you're not going to turn that off. You, you can't flip it off. You won't find it in time. Hmm. And guys say, well, I can, I can. I've done it you know, so many times, EJ. No problem. When I put you out on the range... And I tell all my assistant instructors, too, hey, that's a guy right there. He says he's going to be able to, to get it off. Let's go put him under some stress. And we really put you under some stress 100% of the time, they never get the safety off before they try to pull the trigger. Hmm. Wow, that could cost you your life. Yeah. And then shoot with both eyes open. It's interesting that people think that they're going to be able to close one eye and stare down the sights under a stressful situation, it doesn't happen that way. Your eyes are going to be wide open. Your nostrils are going to be flaring. You're going to be trying to suck in as much oxygen as you can, and you won't be able to get enough. Your hands are going to be tingling. Your knees are going to lock up. It's going to feel like you have concrete boots on. And that's that lactic acid built up that's building up in your joints. You're going to feel almost like... uh, you're so sore, like you worked out really hard yesterday, and now you're really sore getting out of bed this morning. That's that's a semblance of how you're going to feel.
0: Is there a way to recreate that in your training? To like, to I mean, you, you obviously have an advanced training program and course and instructors and stuff like that. But is, is there a little trick that you can share with somebody to, even if it's at home or something like that, that they can put themselves under something that at least a little bit resembles the stress that they can train under?
2: Okay, all right. So I got a good one, and uh, I'd be interested to hear from people who have actually tried to do this because I have, and it's extremely difficult. But it is a great um, reality check for you. So unload your your pistol. Uh, make sure that's clear. You know, visually inspect it and physically inspect it to make sure that it's clear. And field strip your gun. Uh, lay it on the floor next to your shower. Uh, no ammunition anywhere now. You don't need ammunition for this drill. Just Clear your weapon, field strip it, lay the parts on the floor. Get butt naked, jump in the shower. Turn the shower on as cold as water as you can get. Put a timer and see if you can last 60 seconds under that cold water. And I mean, I'm talking, get your hair wet, get your face wet, get everything wet. Stand under the water for 60 seconds or as cold as you can get it. If you can last, I doubt you'll last 15 seconds. But try to last 60. Timer goes off, jump out, and try to put your gun back together from field strip. And see how it is one of the most difficult tasks for you to perform because you have no fine motor sensory functions. It's hard to catch your breath, and everything, every one of your joints is really tight. That'd be a good, good uh, example for you. And it'd be an awesome reality check for what I'm talking about. Yeah, And I would love for people to be able to prove me wrong say that it was really easy for, for you to put your gun back from Bill's trip yeah. after jumping out of the shower. I'd be interested to hear that.
0: Good point. Good point. Okay, we've been talking with E.J. Owens of Concealed com As we expose the myths, far too many CCW carriers fall prey to, as well as how to overcome these challenges and truly master your concealed firearm. Now, we have a lot more to get to in just a moment, including little-known mistakes most people make when responding to a carjacking how to realistically train for a concealed carry response without even having to go to the range, and controversial secrets for ensuring that you are never unarmed, no matter where you go. But first, check out this special message now.
1: What if everything you knew about how to stop a violent attacker with your gun was wrong? Discover the advanced tactics you must know now to protect yourself and those you love with a firearm. Check out our free book, Stopping Power Secrets. Inside, you'll find such no-hold-barred shockers as 1. The three most common myths and misinformation shoveled out by movies and gun range know-it-alls that could get you killed in a real-life gunfight. 2. The cold, hard truth about your personal weapon's ability to be a one-shot man-stopper. 3. What coroners know about selecting the right ammo for your firearm that you don't. 4. And the simple training trick used by Abrams tank crews and commercial airline pilots that will prepare you for a real attack even better than your best day at the range don't place your family's safety in the hands of hollywood fairy tales and hearsay claim your free copy of stopping power secrets now now at www.stoppingpowersecrets.com and now back to the show
0: Okay, we're back with E.J. Owens of ConcealedCarryWeaponTactics.com as we dig deeper into the advanced concealed carry secrets that you need to know in order to protect yourself, your home, and those you love in a real attack. Now, E.J. had a lot more to share with me on the call, so let's not waste any more time and jump right back into our interview. Yeah, E.J., I'm, uh, one, of the thre- one of the threats that I, I often look at and I'm concerned about are things like carjackings. So what challenges do you find that most gun owners don't know when it comes to deploying their weapon from inside a vehicle, and what are the best tactics that they need to know to overcome those challenges?
2: Well, the most important uh, aspect of responding to a carjacking is where do you carry your gun on you? Now, I'm a midline hip guy, so my gun sits uh, midline of my hip. So if I'm wearing jeans, you know, the little side of um, mend of your jeans, that runs straight up to the bottom of the pocket. My, uh, my barrel is typically in line with that line. Some guys like to carry around to the back of the hips. Some even like to, to carry that little, what I call a check six holster or something like that, where it's in the square of your back. Guys who just carry on the ankle. Okay. Uh, all the training that you've done in responding to a stressful situation is more than likely hand. Shooting hand, going to that side hip, and reaching for the gun. So if you're going to respond to a stressful situation, you have a higher probability of doing what you instinctively know to do, then you have to tell yourself, oh, it's on my ankle. Or, oh, I can't reach it, it's around on my hip. Now remember, you're sitting in a seat. Hmm, I don't see most people taking chairs to the range. You're always standing when you're shooting at the range. So again, this attacker thinks that you are in an awkward situation. So what does he do? He tries to hit you when you are what? When you're least able to respond. And most people have a difficult time pulling a gun uh, in a carjacking because they don't carry the gun in the right position. Now, you could take your gun out, either leave it on the seat or, you know, some little, uh, you know, in between the, the car seat and the console, depending on what kind of vehicle you're in. But now you're making a conscious decision that should I need to react to that situation, then my gun is here. Well, that's fine. But you can't carry uh, a gun that's pushed around to the back and draw it um, within a reasonable amount of time. The second thing is uh, considering your seatbelt. If you're the driver, uh, you, know, you may need to get the seatbelt. Away from your body in order to draw. Well, sit in your seat, sit in your car the next time, and try to slam that chest, uh, chest part of your seatbelt forward, and watch what happens. It locks up. So we have to practice on consciously pushing at a steady pace and not slinging it forward. And the third is that barrel needs to come over the top of the steering wheel every time to respond. I've seen guys, that uh, they try to sweep the steering wheel. What happens is the barrel hits the steering wheel. The barrel hits the, um, you know, the inside of the steering wheel. It hits something other than moving towards your target. And Anything that impedes your ability to get the gun out of the holster and onto the threat needs to be taken away. So I teach guys, once they draw, sweep the top of the steering wheel, just like an arch. The side of the, the, the side of the gun follows the arch of the steering wheel, and then when it's clear of the steering wheel, both hands meet and we press out. And the most important thing about understanding and responding to a carjacking is you're going to eat some glass. More than likely your windows are rolled up. Now a side window, should you shoot, you know, that guy who's got a gun pointed at you, you shoot him through your window, you're going to eat some glass. And that's, uh, that's kind of shocking the first time somebody actually trains on that. And we do that in our training courses. We let you shoot like that. We want you to feel what that's going to feel like. And it's pretty surprising how people react differently to glass flying in their face. And it's really not so much that you know, glass is you know, protruding from your face and your face is bleeding. It's just that sensation of something fine hitting you in the cheeks and the nose and the mouth region and in the neck. Um, It's shocking, and so some people will want to swat at their face, Uh, hey, you need to keep the gun pointed at the bad guy. Mm -hmm. And then I'll give you one other one. You're probably going to have people in the car. If you fire a shot off inside of a car, those people are instantly deaf. And should you have follow-on commands that you need them to follow, i.e., get out of the car, i.e., help me, whatever you need, they can't do it. They're deaf. And so you need to package into your training, cover your ears and get down. You need clear and concise direction. And so now not not only are we reacting, but we're having to think and give verbal commands and it becomes quite complicated. Well, so you, that's something you definitely need to practice,
0: yeah, I guess that's a good reason also to you know keep your i mean especially obviously you in in strange areas, but you know keep your windows up because if your window's down and somebody just cold cocks you through the window, you're not going to even have time to to tell your family you know cover your ears and get down it's just gonna it's going to be go time, but if you notice somebody coming up or you have that window barrier. You know you you at least can prepare them and stuff, and what's good about what you just said is that a lot of this stuff you can just you can practice at home, and a lot of people just aren't practicing that you know this is something you can do dry fire in your vehicle to say, "Oh my God, I guess I can't get to my weapon when I'm in here, or I guess I didn't think about the the seatbelt things like that, so that's all
2: good advice so let me let me tell you this yeah here's the here here's the number one way to avoid a carjacking pay attention, yeah. <laughs> Open your eyes and pay attention. It might just save your life. Yeah, good point.
0: Uh, EJ, the extent of training that most concealed carry gun owners get really is oftentimes, sadly, just the required class that they have and the range time that they need in order to get their permit. And maybe once in a while they might go to the gun range just to see how tight that they can get their shot group for bragging rights. And look, I, I get it. Like, it it's an expensive hobby, sport, life saving skill, etc. It takes time, it takes money to go to the range, it takes, you know, and it, it can take a big investment to attend like a tactical firearms course or something like that. But that shouldn't be an excuse not to train. It really is a responsibility when you when you have a, a concealed firearm. So in your experience, what are the most critical mistakes that people make in their training outside of the range to carry concealed? And what's the best way to overcome this?
2: All right. Drawing from concealment is a task that has to be mastered. Now, in a gunfight, you're not going to be sprinkled with some unicorn horn dust and have some magical um, powers that you've never had before. You're not going to have some pixie sprinkles put on you and be able to perform at a level that you've never practiced. So here's the thing. You will rise to the highest level that you've mastered. That's it. So you're not gonna rise to the occasion, you're gonna default to the highest level you've mastered, and that's it. And you need to practice, first of all, drawing from concealment. So if you've got a blue gun, which I would highly suggest, everyone who has a concealed carry weapon, buy the plastic blue gun that's just like your gun. You can get them on the internet or wherever. That way, you can practice the stuff I'm about to tell you with your blue gun and be totally safe inside your house. So for me, I carry a Glock 19. I have a Glock 19 blue gun. Just Google blue gun and you'll find it. So I put my uh, everyday carry attire on and I put my blue gun in. And then I practice sweeping my cover garment away and drawing, if I'm not wearing a quote-unquote cover garment, and I'm just wearing flip flops, T-shirts, and a, uh, a pair of short pants. I practice with two hands pulling my T-shirt up out of the way, and then getting a firm firing grip. So drawing from concealment, or drawing from cover, uh, or, you know, concealment. I mean, then you know, people don't try that. They don't know practice it. They just think that they're magically going to be able to do it. Mm. And it's different for in the wintertime when you're wearing coats and sweaters and bulky garments than it is in the summertime when you're wearing just a T-shirt and flip-flops. Well, that's a good point right
0: there because when people can get into like their, you know, they might think getting into their tactical clothes and practicing in front of the mirror, practicing their draw with those, you know, with the easiest situation that you have available is training when, you know, you need to take your, you know, try it with your, your winter coat on, try it with your shorts on instead of your, you know, your tactical pants or whatever. And, and, and switch that up. I mean, that's a good training drill right there.
2: And then, uh, you need to practice drawing when being surprised. So again, here's another blue gun drill. Uh, you, you know, put your everyday carry attire on and put your little blue drill, blue gun on. And what I like to do, and this may sound hokey, but as I take three by five cards, and I will just throw them around my house. And since my kids are gone to school, no one's here, as I walk through the house and I see a white 3 by 5 card just thrown on the floor or on the couch, I take that, oh, and I try to draw and aim at that with my blue gun. So it's, it's practicing it with incorporating that drawing from concealment, but now from surprise, Yeah. So, you know, you can practice that all throughout your house. You're not going to hurt anybody. you got a blue gun. And you may look silly uh, to yourself, but as long as you're doing the drill right, you're adding to your ability to survive. So it's drawing from surprise. And then you need to practice shooting while moving. Again, here's another blue gun technique. Uh I would if 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 you have a like a full length mirror that'd be great. Um I've got one in my hallway so this is actually works out perfect for me. But um I can walk down the hallway and my back is to the mirror. Uh I can turn around and I pretend that the man I see myself in the mirror is a threat. And with my blue gun, I can step off to the side and try to draw. Now I see him doing the same thing. So, kind of reiterates into your mind that, that that visual recreation of what you're probably going to see from the threat itself. Now, my my hallway actually is open in my great room, and so I don't actually stand in the hallway and do it because it's hard to move left and right. But um, my little living room or great room den, whatever you want to call it, is kind of open, so I can move left or right when I do that. And it's just a little a little technique, you know. Just try it and see, you know, how it feels to you. But you know, turning around threat. Try to draw that blue gun out. Yeah, or you
0: can even just set something up, like in your garage or basement or something like that. I mean, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, but
2: here's the thing: if it's not a priority to you, you're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And what you're hearing from me is because it's a priority in my life that I have come up with these things. Who knows what's yet to be out there to be discovered because people aren't trying them and then sharing their experiences. Mm-hmm.
0: You got time for one more question? I do. Awesome. Uh, EJ, every every concealed carry gun owner has to be very conscious of no gun zones, but we get really fixated on our guns. So, you know, you have to really think about it. Like on the same token, you don't want to be unarmed no matter where you are. In fact, when you think about it, I mean, some of these no gun zones are actually some of the places where you might need your firearm the most. So, What's your best advice about how to always be armed, even in places where you're not allowed to carry?
2: All right. Well, first I'll tell you that you are always armed if you stay alert. If you can perceive the threat or see the problem developing, that is your greatest ally. You can start to devise a plan. Do I need to get out? Do I need to take somebody with me? Is there time to rush the guy? It, it, what what do I have around me that I can use as a weapon? But you need to stay alert. That's your number one ally in an area where you can't go armed or you're supposedly not supposed to go armed. The thing I'll tell you is know the law. You need to know the law. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. You've heard that before. I mean, um, uh, it goes without saying, you need to know the law. You need to know your state, our federal, state, local, um, not only uh, laws, but ordinance as well. And then know the consequences should you decide that you don't want to follow those. Now, I'm not going to recommend that to you, but I will tell you that there's a difference between um, allowed and able. I'm not allowed and neither is that bad guy, but he was certainly able to walk through here with a gun and start shooting me. Now, there's a moral line that you have to draw in the sand for what's right with you, and and then that's to each individual. Um, I'm not going to tell you what I do because that's a personal decision. And should I be breaking the law? I'm, I don't want to, you know, admit guilt. But know the law, know the consequences of the law. And make your moral judgment.
1: Yeah, great point,
2: EJ.
0: Awesome information, man. I mean, you know, I, I I just moved to this to the state of Texas, and where I came from, I didn't have the ability to have a concealed carry firearm. So this is, you know, and, and I'm a soldier. So with an AR-15 and M16, I'm like like that's my domain. My pistol is still something I'm I'm becoming friends with and learning how to use with. And I now that I have my permit and everything, so. I can't get enough of this type of training, and I really, really appreciate all of the helpful strategies that you put together for us to, to really get better prepared. And I know that everybody listening is doing some serious thinking as well about their own level of preparedness, so so really, again, thanks so much for sharing this information. Look, everyone, as you can see, your training and self-protection never ends, and you can't take for granted that you know all that you need to when it comes to carrying your concealed firearm and being able to even put it into use to potentially save your life or the life of someone that you love so i highly suggest that you go out right now before you forget and check out ej's everyday carry video course because the information that we've covered today is really only the tip of the iceberg on what he has to offer so again you can check out his training and more about ej at www.concealedcarryweapontactics.com now until our next survival broadcast this is jeff anderson from modern combat and survival saying train hard stay safe prepare now